Hi everyone, I'm Rosemary Miller here with Shunabu Hendert, a certified financial planner and author of Investing Is Your Superpower, here to tell us six smart money moves to kickstart your 2024. Thank you so much for joining me today, Shunabu. Thanks for having me here, Rose. Absolutely. So I'm wondering, what was the criteria you used to create these money moves before you get into them? I wanted to give everyone a fresh look, a fresh start that if you are not on top of your finances, what is a good place to start? Because that is one of the biggest questions I get from people is, where do I even begin? And that's what I kept in mind coming up with these six different moves for your money for 2024. All right, well, let's get into them. What's, what's number one? Number one is review and update your budget. So there is no way around this. You have to look at those numbers and have transparency. This is a good time to do it because you have a full year under your belt, but you want to take a look at where your money is going every single month. And a great way to do this is to reflect on last year and just ask yourself, is this how much I thought I was spending every month? Am I spending more? Am I doing a little bit less? And then you want to adjust your budget this year to align with your financial goals and potentially any lifestyle changes or updates. If you're introducing a new addition to the family, maybe you're making a big move, you wanna incorporate that so you set yourself up for success and you don't blow out your budget and then shame yourself for it when you knew these expenses were coming. So what are some of the tips you have for creating a budget? First, starting with how much money you're spending. And you want to look at your fixed expenses. What are the essentials? Things that you know no matter what you can't live without. So that's going to be your rent or mortgage, groceries, gas, those types of expenses. And then you want to take a look at the other play area, which we call the discretionary expenses. What do those look like? And can you decrease them and what are your non-negotiables? So for some people, maybe a gym membership isn't a negotiable, even though they could potentially live without it. They're like, I'm not going to. So we don't want your budget to be so stringent that you feel like you don't have flexibility or you're not having fun with it. So this isn't supposed to be a restrictive exercise. It's just to give you transparency of what your outlay looks like every month. So you can then understand where are the areas you can start to save a little bit more? Mm -hmm. Well, let's go on into number two. What is the second smart money move that we should incorporate for 2024? The second move is to set clear financial goals for yourself. And we want to be clear because I, I compare it to when people say they want to lose weight and they're like, I just want to lose some weight. Well, we want to know how much weight is that? Because if you don't tie real numbers to this, a couple of things could happen is you kick the can down the road or you don't hit your financial goal and then you feel bad about it. And neither one of those are really what we're looking for. So you want to set your goal. It's supposed to be fun. So if you find yourself where you're like, just your body doesn't feel good, you don't feel good, you're doing it wrong, get some fresh air and go back to it. And you want to take a look at where you can save and then if you said, I want to take the whole family on a vacation to see a national park this year, start at the end. How much money is that going to take? 
how much money do you need to put into a bucket every single month to get there? And then how many months is it going to take you to save? Then you can look at that and say, okay, I don't just have to save more money every month, but I'm doing this so we can all go on this family vacation. That's way more exciting, more motivating. And then you want to set metrics. So maybe it's every month you're looking, every other month you're seeing, am I on target? If the vacation costs $5,000, how much do we have saved so far? Where can we get a little bit more? Because again, you want to set yourself up for success and make sure that you can hit these goals by putting the proper dollar amount to them. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, do you, do you think 2024 is the, are we in the economic landscape to, to prioritize things like, I don't know, going on vacation versus maybe saving a little bit more for food? Yeah, I think everybody is feeling it. I think all across the country, even though when we look at the inflation reports that are coming out and saying, okay, it's muted, we're not really feeling it, interest rates are kind of staying the same, households are feeling it. My clients are spending more at the grocery store, I'm spending more at the grocery store, and I think people are looking more at prices than they ever have, and they're still spending more than they ever have. So it is important to go back to step one and to review your budget. What is your baseline that it takes you to keep your household running, to make sure that everyone's kind of happy and healthy, and then you're looking at other financial goals. And if it's not something that you can start saving for right away, I wouldn't neglect it altogether. So if you're looking at that and you're going, well, I'm not really in a position to be saving you know, tons of money for a vacation, just put in any dollar amount you have, open up a separate account. It's really just about creating habits around saving. So when you can kind of come up for air, let's say it's next year, you're feeling a little bit more financially comfortable, you can look at that account and go, you know what? I already have $300 in there. I already have $1,000 in there. And now I, I can put in a little bit more, but you're not turning around and going, oh, there's nothing in there or there's no account. So anything that you could afford to stash away for yourself, I would absolutely do just to create that healthy habit. Well, I don't know the rest of your money moves, but I do have this question about debt. So is it wise to save while also paying off debt? Yes, I'm gonna like ring a bell. That's music to my ears. You want to do that. I think we can get uber focused on paying down debt and not planning for that rainy day. So what can happen is if you are so focused on paying down your debt and you're taking extra money that you have coming in each month, you're throwing that at your debt, then an unexpected expense comes up you don't have cash set aside for it, you have to put it on a credit card. That is so demoralizing, just that act, because you feel like I've been doing all this work and now it's getting wiped out. So it's the same thing where let's just say you have you know, an extra $100 at the end of every single month, you can put 50% of that towards paying down debt and then 50% towards your savings. So you want to be able to do a little bit of both. So you're not just saving money, and you're not just paying down your debt. You wanna do a little bit of both to provide yourself with wiggle room, but also creating habits for being able to achieve what we call like multi-goal planning because we're very rarely singularly focused where we only have one thing that we're working for. So you wanna be able to juggle these things and know it's the turtle that wins this race, not the rabbit. And you wanna just get into those habits of, okay, even though I can't pay all of my debt off next month, I'm putting a little bit more towards it extra. I'm going to end up by putting, you know, an extra $100 towards that per month. I'm shaving off five years at the end of it. And in the meantime, I'm also building my savings account. 
And which one, okay, I know we're lingering on number two, but which one do you think should be prioritized, saving or paying down the debt? Well, for your debt, you wanna definitely pay the minimums. And then on top of that, I would do a little bit of both. So if you take all your extra money and put that down towards the debt, you don't have any wiggle room that if something were to happen, and you know, for me, I used to drive a lot for my jobs. And one day I went in, I had a flat tire. I went in, I had two nails that they were not able to patch through in two different tires. And then they looked at the back and they're like, hey, you don't have any tread. And all of a sudden I spent a couple thousand dollars on tires because they upsold me. I didn't know what I was buying. I talked to a friend later. They're like, you didn't have to buy the fanciest tires out there. <laughs> I didn't know. But it's for those cases where you're not then throwing it on a credit card and now you're trying to dig yourself out of that again. So you do want to be able to manage both. Um, anything that's high interest that you want to prioritize and pay that towards the highest interest rate first. And I'll touch on that a little bit more because it is one of the, the smart money moves, but I hope that answers the question. Yes, it does. All right, and on to number three of the smart money moves. Number three is also piggybacking on what we were just talking about. You wanna build or boost your emergency fund. I think hitting on what you said, 2024, we're not necessarily feeling like we're in this really healthy economy or even with our wages keeping up with what costs have been increasing to so if you're in a single income household you really want to have three to six months worth of your monthly expenses set aside in cash and cash is now paying you know upwards of four to five percent so that's a nice nice little um benefit that we get as opposed to a few years ago where you were getting zero so you want to build that up and just again, start with a lump sum that you can afford to put in to kickstart the account. Have it separate from your checking account. So it's not all tied there in together. You wanna see it separate and maybe make it a little difficult for you to tap that. So you're not just going into there every single month if you you know wanna spend a little bit of extra money. And it might take you three years to build this. Because again, you don't want to uber focus on it and only throw everything in there, but start putting money in there. And if you're in a two income household, then we might say, okay, closer to 3% could be okay. But you do want to consider how long have you been in your career? Are you a high income earner? How many of your jobs are readily available in case you were to lose the job that you have now? So you want to look at that and say, based on that, how many months could I really keep myself afloat? And you want to focus on building up that emergency fund. Mm -hmm. And I noticed you said cash. And for some people, this is obvious. Okay, of course, it'd be cash instead of putting the money into or using credit to pay things. But there are some people out there who firmly believe you should use credit and not cash to pay for things. Why did you say cash? Because you want to be able to quickly access it. If you're putting everything on credit, you know, it really depends on number one, how high is your credit limit? So how much can you put on there? And then things like rent and mortgage, there's times where you cannot use your credit card to pay for those things that you want to keep the, that flexible that you have the cash. And it's really just about safety and security that you know at the end of the day, you have that money, again, readily available and the balance is the balance. And credit cards can, charge you 24% interest. So yes, you could put it on there, but if we were to paint a scenario where you unexpectedly lost your job and your expenses stay the same, you have to pay them. You might quickly hit that credit card limit or you might rack up credit card debt where you're paying 24% interest and at the same time, you don't have income coming in. 
So we're really trying to look at how can we create the most flexibility in your lifestyle and also keep it, keep it safe. All right. Well, on to number four. Number four, yeah. yes. Number four, I would organize your debt by highest interest rate and start to pay down anything extra that you have each month towards your high interest rate debt. So more than likely that is credit card debt, but you do want to organize everything that you have by interest rate, the balance, who the lender is, and just come up with a debt payoff plan. You can use an app like Debt Payoff Planner and they're gonna provide you with visual tools. They'll give you some evaluations of how you can pay off your debt a little bit faster. But with this, you also don't wanna be so focused on paying down your debt that you stop saving as well. So keep that organized. And I say that because sometimes people will attach themselves to a debt that they feel like, okay, that's the largest balance. I wanna pay that off first, but it might be the lowest interest rate. And you want to really tackle the one that's charging you, you know, the double digits. So that way you can start to make a dent in the balance. So speaking of debt, I want to touch on student loans for a little bit. Do you think someone should rush to pay off their student loans or if that's something they should do kind of slow and steady? It really depends on their overall situation. But again, organizing it by interest rate, if they're paying 6% on that, and they have an outstanding credit card that they're paying 24% interest on, you want to go after the 24% interest rate card first before you're throwing so much extra at the student loan debt. Mm. And, you know, people have multiple credit cards. How many credit cards do you think a person should have or, you know, the reasonable number? <laughs> It, it depends. I think what can happen is we get really excited about these rewards that we get on credit cards or points and we get different things or a preferred store will give us a credit card. So the, the amount doesn't necessarily matter as much as your total credit limit available. And you want to keep that under 30%. So let's say you have one credit card, your limits $1,000. You don't want to put more than, you know, $300 on there every single month if the if you're not paying the balance off all the time. So if you had six credit cards and you had, you know, a revolving limit that was under that 30, 40%, that's a healthy credit score that you could have. If you have a credit card that's, you know, $10,000, that's your limit and you've put 9,000 on there and it stays around that 9,000 mark, your credit's going to go down every single month even though you only have one card. Because the credit bureaus are looking at the same thing that I'm talking about is if you were to lose your job, do you have enough credit available to keep yourself afloat? So they look at your revolving credit. How much do you have available every single month? So it's not necessarily how many credit cards you have. It's the access that you have to credit on a month over month basis. Okay. And number five, we're on number five. <laughs> Number five is to optimize your retirement savings. And when we talk about this, you know, multiple goal planning, it's challenging to be able to focus on saving for a car, paying down your student loans, buying a home. Oh, now I got to worry about retirement. And what people do is they tend to say, well, you know what, let me just tackle one of these first. We want to be able to do a little bit of everything. So I would, if you have a company sponsored plan like a 401k, start there. That's kind of the easiest path. Increase your contributions by one to 3%. Just do it. See how it feels after a few pay cycles. And if you don't really feel the pain from that, ask yourself in three months to do a little bit more. 
-hmm. And the amount that you start with, it doesn't matter. It's just to be that habit of actively participating and then automate it. If you don't have a 401k or a company plan, you can go to you know, many different financial providers, open up your own retirement account, but automate it. You wanna get it off your plate so it's happening and you don't have to think about it every single month. And then every three months, see if you can increase it, even if it's just by 1%. Once again, we touched on this in the first question. Is this, are, is 2024 the year to, to be putting more for a later year than, than what we have now? Should we be keeping all the money we can now? It depends on your, your bandwidth. So if you're mm -hmm. in a situation where you're not able to meet your monthly bills, mm -hmm. you don't wanna be focusing on future goals. However, if you never focus on the future goals, you have to ask yourself who is gonna be there for you when you're ready to retire. If someone's not gonna be there to write you a check, and, and for some people, they do have that advantage because they have a big inheritance coming to them and they know that. And they're like, you know what? I don't really have to focus on that. But for other people, if you don't have anybody doing that, you're really just kicking the can down the road. And what's going to happen when you go to retire? When we look at Social Security, it pays really a fraction of what your income is right now. So somewhere that money is going to have to come and it's most likely to have to come from you saving it now. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of push yourself have a stretch goal, challenge yourself and say, let me just do it and see, well, where else can I save money this year? If I want to put X amount of dollars towards retirement, where can I make up that difference? And maybe it's, you know, going to discount grocers. Maybe it's, you know, not going out to eat as much, like trying to find ways to say, okay, I can squeeze it a little bit over here and make up for it on the back end. And I'm taking care of myself. You really want to look at that retirement savings as you taking care of your future self. Well, going out to eat surely has me in a chokehold. <laughs> so <laughs> that's something I'm going to challenge myself to not do in 2024. But on to the sixth and final smart money move. What do you have for us? Leverage tools and resources that are available. There's a lot of people that put this stress on themselves to say like, well, I don't know this financial stuff. And you don't need to be an expert. You just need to kind of get more involved for your comfort level. So I would tailor how you digest financial information to your own preferred style of learning. So something like this platform right now, I love learning like that, listening, watching, it sits better than just reading for me. But if someone likes to read, pick up a book. I have my book, Investing is Your Superpower. That's a great way to do it. Tune into podcasts, but make it something you do on a regular basis. So you're kind of desensitizing yourself to talking about money or listening about money. It doesn't feel like this heavy lift activity. You're just like, oh, this is part of my weekly routine. I'm just tuning in for this, you know, 30 minutes to be able to make sure that I'm staying in touch with that side of my, my personal life. And then utilize the financial tools that are available. So if you're talking about budgeting, there's apps like You Need a Budget, Pocket Guard, that you can plug some numbers in and do that. I talked about debt payoff planner for paying off your debt, and then automation. When anything that you're doing with your finances, the more you can automate it, the better, because the biggest challenge that I think most Americans have is time. So the more we could just free up your time by automating this, you know, okay, I'm taking care of my financial self and it's not taking such a drain for me to do physically or manually every single week. 
Moshinabu, I can't have you here and you have a book called Investing is Your Superpower without asking you at least one investing question. What is your biggest piece of advice for a beginner who wants to start investing? To just get started. There's lots of funds. It could be ETFs that have a mix of stock bonds and cash inside of there. So rather than just picking a stock, I would pick a diversified fund. And there's, for most places like a Fidelity, Vanguard, they've gotten rid of the minimums. SoFi, all these places where you can just go in and say, I have $10 that I wanna start with every single month and then start investing. And again, your future self will thank you. And you'll also get more comfortable with the platforms, with how the markets are moving. You just wanna get more involved. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Rose.